Greetings from the Notre Dame Alumni Association, and welcome to our Faith in D podcast, Everyday Holiness. My name is Dan Allen, and I serve as the host of the podcast and Associate Director of Spirituality and Service at the Association. We're honored to have you join us for the beginning of our ninth season, and I am very humbled to be joined today by our first guest from the College of Cardinals, His Eminence Cardinal Patrick de Rosario, CSC. Cardinal de Rosario is the first ever cardinal from Bangladesh and only the second member in the history of the Congregation of Holy Cross to be named a cardinal. Cardinal de Rosario, thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you for having me, Dan. Certainly, it's an honor. So to give some of the context of your life, can you tell us where you grew up and what were some of the important lessons of faith during your childhood? Well, first of all, I must say I'm from Bangladesh. I was born in 1943 in the rural parish called Padishipur. The name Padre was given to the village called Shipur, a Hindu village, by the Augustinian missionaries coming from Portugal in 1974. The parish is situated at the south of Bangladesh, which was part of Chirivang Diocese, created in 1927 and was entrusted to the Holy Cross missionaries of priests, brothers, and sisters from Canada. Hmm. When I was three years old, my father left the house and renouncing family life with a view to becoming a Christian at Sanasi or Sadhu. Hmm. After six years of ascetic life in solitude, he started wearing red clothes, similar to the clothes of the Apostles of Christ at that time. All his life, he lived as as Sadhu, worked as voluntary catechist to the Holy Cross priests working in Chiravang Hill Tracts. My father died in 1988 at the age of 85. With my immediate elder sister, I have been brought up and educated at home by my mother during my childhood. I am the youngest of the eight siblings of our family, four of whom were living in Calcutta in West Bengal. Mm-hmm. My mother was a very strong Catholic and brought me up in Catholic faith and practices, going every day to Mass in the parish, saying Holy Rosary at home every evening. My mother's instruction was no rosary, no meal in the evening. <laughs> a strict moral Christian formation was given at home. Mm-hmm. Going to Mass every day, serving as altar boy, offering the first fruits of the agricultural products at home to the parish priests regularly, etc., brought me close to the parish priest who was first a diocesan when I was doing my primary schooling. At the secondary level, I had a Holy Cross Canadian parish priest who journeyed with me, involved me in different Catholic movements in the parish, providing formation and giving me spiritual direction once in every month. I see. I see. Very good. So how did you develop an awareness of your vocation to religious life and the priesthood, and what have been some of the joys and challenges of your ministry? Family formation at home, participation in parish activities and programs, personal contacts with the parish priest and their guidance have initiated my vocation to become a Holy Cross priest. In mm. secondary school education, the whole parish knew that I had desired to become a priest. After passing the 10th grade exam, I joined the Holy Cross novitiate and made my first profession in 1962 at the age of 18 and a half. Formation period to religious life and priesthood continued for four years of BA studies at Notre Dame College, Dhaka, and six years in the major seminary in Karachi, Pakistan. Hmm. During major seminary study, I enjoyed to be trained with the theological and pastoral thinking of the Second Vatican Council by excellent Dutch Franciscans of the Order of the Friar Minors. The last year of my seminary studies, that is in 1971, the War of Liberation broke out, which lasted for nine months 
and resulted in the separation from Pakistan and victory of Bangladesh as an independent nation on 16 December 1971. Three weeks after the independence, I was ordained priest in my home parish, the first priest to be ordained in independent Bangladesh. Hmm. Immediately after the ordination in January 1972, I was assigned in a rural parish called Gornudi, from where thousands of Hindus, political leaders, and supporters of liberation fled to India as refugees because of the destructions, killings, and the tortures Pakistani army. Mm. I was a director of a project for relief and rehabilitation for 20,000 families who were oh. affected by the war of liberation. It was a very challenging work. My theological formation did not prepare me for that kind of responsibility. <laughs> but this challenge led me to open up to new experiences. For example, exposure to socioeconomic realities of the people, openness to the people of different religions, Muslims, Hindus, and to other Christian denominations, and also open to the people culture different from mine. Mm -hmm. All these experiences remain in me locus for theological thinking and reflection during the three years of my academic studies in the Catholic University of Leuven, Belgium. Mm -hmm. Because of the separation from Pakistan, Bangladesh Church had to start a major seminary. And in order to prepare me to teach there, I was sent for studies in moral theology in Leuven. After three years of studies, I returned in 1976 and I started teaching in newly established major seminary, which lasted till my Episcopal ordination in 1990. Mm. During the teaching in the seminary, my clearest goal was to bring renewal of the local church in Bangladesh in the light of the Second Vatican Council. The goal was also shared by some of my classmates in the seminary. And uh, in that group, also Father Benjamin Costa, who was the principal of Notre Dame College and afterwards the vice chancellor of Notre Dame University in Bangladesh. Hmm. So voluntarily, we formed ourselves as a team of six diocesan and Holy Cross priests and undertook different programs and projects for renewal of the church responding to the urgent needs. We founded Prodipon, a philosophical and theological journal of the seminary, organized seminars for the formation of priests, religious, and the laity, developed common formation programs for religious men and women, initiated a national center for pastoral service to assist the Catholic Bishops' Conference of Bangladesh, which did not have at that time any secretariat, mm. promotion of pastoral planning in the church and promoting Christian Bengali literature, publication of liturgical aids, translation of the important church documents, for example, Vatican II, uh, the mm. Catholic Catechism, the Catholic Church, and many other initiatives in the field of education, communication, youth ministries, spiritual care of the Christian nurses, and other formation programs for lay people. Mm. All these initiatives gave us and me a sense of joy in ministering to the priest, religious, and lay people on the teachings of the Second Vatican Council and thus bring about a renewal which was quite visible in the local church. Mm -hmm. The above-mentioned activities, and at the same time being a pastor of a parish, diocesan director of Chittagong Pastoral Service Team, director of Retreat and Pastoral Service and District Religious Superior of the Canadian Holy Cross Fathers, and teaching in the major seminary as visiting professor, etc., were very demanding and challenging. However, when uh, we see the fruits, we can feel the joy of gathering them for the glory of God and for the good of the church. After my priestly ministry for 18 years, I had 30 years of Episcopal ministry in three dioceses. Mm -hmm. Just to complete my story, I briefly mentioned the following. 
I was consecrated on 12 September 1990 as first bishop of new diocese called Rashai, separated from the Northwood Diocese situated in the north. I hailed from the south, but was called to go to the north where mostly indigenous or tribal people live. The word of God that inspired me during this period of five years in the diocese was, do you love me? Feed my sheep, as Jesus said. Mm -hmm. It was an experience of knowing what it means to be a shepherd who should know his people and people know him. I visited 95% of the families of the new diocese which had about 6,000 families. Wow. The motto as bishop was contemplating communion. I was transferred to my own home diocese, Chittagong, in 1995, April, and stayed there for 16 years. During my ministry as bishop of Chittagong, the inspiring word of God for me was, the power of the Holy Spirit is on me. He has anointed me to preach the good news, unquote, Luke 4. Hmm. This was called to be a pastor of peoples of multiple cultures, ministry of evangelization, interreligious dialogue and inculturation, formation in Catholic faith using new Catholic catechism, formation of family and small Christian communities. Mm-hmm. That there may be one was the inspiring word of God during my Episcopal ministry in the Archdiocese of Dhaka from 2011 to 2020. Mm. My ministry geared to promote church as communion, mystery, and mission with three bold vocations of the laity, religious, and priests, with their threefold function, priestly, prophetic, and royal functions, in view of building communion of priests, religious, and laity, a synodal character of the church. Hmm. Since 2020, I am leading a retired life, staying at the center of the Bishop's Conference of Bangladesh, Dhaka. My main occupation is writing and publications. During the last two and a half years of my retirement, I have been able to work on nine publications. Hmm. Wonderful. Thank you for that very rich background. Another person you would have encountered that I'm aware of in your ministry was Servant of God, Archbishop Theotonius Amal Ganguly, CSC, And I would like you, if you would, to say something about him as well. When did you become aware of Archbishop Ganguly, and what did you find inspiring about his life? Before I speak about Archbishop Ganguly, I must say something in order to situate myself regarding my contacts and relations with him. First of all, I was 23 years younger than Archbishop Ganguly. When he was made auxiliary bishop of Dhaka in 1960, I was studying in the 10th grade in school. Secondly, he was belonging to Holy Cross Fathers in Dhaka District under the jurisdiction of Indiana province in Dhaka Diocese. Mm. And I was belonging to Chittagong District under the French-Canadian province in Chittagong Diocese. Thirdly, I hardly knew Archbishop Gangley personally before I came to do my college studies at Notre Dame College Dhaka in 1962. When I was studying at Notre Dame College from 1962-66, I came to know from others that Father Theotonius Amal Ganguly was a learned but humble man, was the principal of the Notre Dame College, at the same time involved in many pastoral ministries in the city as well as in the rural areas. He was simple but able personality, engaged himself in so many activities. He became the first Bengali Holy Cross principal of the Notre Dame College, very well known in Bangladesh. Immediately after a few months as principal of the college, he was made the auxiliary bishop of Dhaka Diocese and moved his residence to the bishop's house. 
From 1966 to 1971, I was studying in Karachi, and I was out of the country for higher studies in Belgium from 73 to 76. Mm -hmm. All these details speak of one thing, that is, I had limited contacts with the Archbishop in the beginning. Mm -hmm. However, I had few occasions during the period when I met him personally. Let me cite those events in brief. It was 3rd November 1965 when I was at the Notre Dame College when he was installed as the coadjutor Archbishop of Dhaka. I was one of the altar servers in the seminar ceremony. Hmm. I learned from others that Theotonius Ganguly was the most suitable priest to be made bishop. He was the first Bengali bishop and a very scholarly person with good reputation. The first time when I personally came to know him was in Belgium when I was studying there. It was in 1974 that he came to Belgium to attend wedding silver jubilee of one of the brothers of Father Henry Vanoff, who am I, missionary in Bangladesh, hailing from Antwerp, Anvers. Hmm. He stayed with me in Louvain at the Holy Cross College for three days. I accompanied him to Antwerp for the wedding anniversary and also took him to Liège at the house of Madeleine Brusten, one of my well-wishers, living at Rue 10, Rue de la Score. The house became the house of many priests, religious bishops coming from Bangladesh. Hmm. As Bishop Ganguly later kept contact with Madeleine until his death, and he very well communicated with her in French, both in writing and speaking. Hmm. His knowledge of French language was a big surprise to me because he did not live in that context. When Archbishop Ganguly was declared servant of God, Madeleine regretted later that she did not reserve the linen of his bed that he slept for a relic of a future saint. <laughs> in the beginning, in 1977, being prefect of a Sturgeon National Major Seminary, I, together with four other priest colleagues, took the initiative to organize national seminar for all the priests in Bangladesh. We came to discuss the matter with Archbishop Ganguly, seeking his permission. He accepted the proposal, gave his advice, and encouraged us to go ahead with assurance of his wholehearted support. We felt that he had the same kind of idea. He happily gave us some insights about the seminar, supported and encouraged us. The seminar finally took place in July 1978 with the presence of 129 priests and bishops, including Nuncio, out of 143 mm. of them working in Bangladesh. Unfortunately, Archbishop Ganguly died in September 1977, the previous year. We felt his absence as he supported us so much. Mm. On 2nd September, I was in Matthew's house at Notre Dame College attending a seminar organized by an Asian group uh, called Saidi Chim. Archbishop Gangli was supposed to come for the closing Eucharist, but instead we got the news during the Mass, presided over by Father Richard William Tim, CSC, that he expired because of heart attack. Hmm, wow. His body was exposed in the church till his burial on the fourth. His body had to be embalmed to preserve for at least three days. Mm -hmm. I witnessed the procedure as I was given the responsibility to look after the body in the sacristy. All blood from the veins of his body was drained out, poured in the bucket. Hmm. At that night, I could not sleep because of the horrible sight of the blood being poured out from the body of the Archbishop. My goodness, wow. I, together with a team of four other people, worked the whole day and the night to prepare the liturgical tests of the office reading for the dead and mass in Bangla to be held on funeral day 
or September with the presence of a big congregation, 1,100 sets of 10 pages, each booklet was mimeographed those days, no printing, working the whole night. Yeah. I was the master of ceremony and the announcer. There were about 3,000 people for the funeral. Mm. It was difficult to control the flow of the crowd. The great mass of people, irrespective of religions, mourning for people, mourning of people shedding tears, exemplified that he was not an ordinary person. He was a person who drew attention of many, even after his death. In response to what I find in Archbishop Gangli was inspiring for me, also to others, can be summarized. I call it morning shows the day. When I look at his life of childhood and his school days, I can easily see him as a special gift of God for the church in Bangladesh, a gift which needed many years to blossom in fullness, manifested in variety of ways, describing him as a person coming from a good Catholic and educated family, brought up with religious and spiritual formation, recognized in him something exceptional in his school and in this minor seminary, person with divine call, meritorious boy, with excellent results in the school final exam, third in the merit list at the national level. His active involvements in the sports, music, drama, person with simplicity, devotedness, prayerfulness, sincerity, honesty, and joyfulness in living and sharing his life. While Theodonius Amal Ganguly was in the minor seminary, he already decided to become priest. But he wanted to be a Holy Cross priest. He expressed his wish to Archbishop Lawrence Grainer, who was also Holy Cross, the Archbishop of Dhaka. Mm -hmm. His request was turned down hmm. because Archbishop Grainer, as a policy, wanted to promote first diocesan clergy for the local church. He advised him to wait tell his ordination and decide. Theotonius Omar Gangali accepted the advice, but kept his sermon open. Hmm. After finishing his seminary studies in India at St. Albert's Major Seminary, Theotonius Gangali was ordained priest on 6th June 1946. From 1947 to 51, Father Theotonius Amal Gangli completed his bachelor, master, and doctorate in philosophy from Notre Dame University, being always the first among the group. Hmm. After living five years with the Holy Cross Fathers at Notre Dame University and inspired by the Holy Cross missionaries, he expressed his mature desire to Archbishop of Dhaka to join the Holy Cross congregation. This time, Permission was granted, and he made his novitiate and took the first bow on 16th August 1952. His own experiences in the journey of discernment of his own vocation and that of the others inspired him to write a book on vocation of life in Bangla in a series of articles published in the Christian Weekly Prativeshi. However, the book deals with all vocations to life to priesthood, religious, and married life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The third thing that inspired me in his life is his love for local church and Indian thoughts and philosophy. In one word, Archbishop Gangali was a cultured man in all its aspects. Knowledge of Bengali culture and language, arts and literature. He himself was a polished writer and a gentle speaker, beautiful singer in the Bengali and Gregorian chant, hmm. excellent playing in drama, a great lover of Rabindranath Tagore, uh, the Nobel Prize winner in Bengali literature. He spoke fluently Bangla, English, French, Latin, and Hindi. Hmm. He had the knowledge of Sanskrit, Hebrew, Greek, and German. 
gentleness, meekness, and humility, softness, soberness, and joyfulness characterized the expressions of his life. He was educated in Western thoughts in his philosophical and theological studies, but he entered into Indian thoughts by writing his doctoral thesis in 1952 on self and nature, Purush and Prakriti, according to Upanishad and Indian thoughts. He was committed to the renewal of the church. Mm-hmm. As Bishop Theotorius Aval Ganguly, the first bishop and later the first archbishop, became the head of the Bangladesh church hierarchy. He attended all the sessions of the Second Vatican Council. Mm-hmm. Naturally, after assuming the responsibility as the Archbishop of Dhaka in 1967, his preoccupation was to bring the teachings of the Second Vatican Council to the local church and thereby work for its renewal. Mm-hmm. He was convinced of all the changes proposed by Vatican II, but those changes brought tension, conflicts, and even polarization of opinions among priests, religious, and the laity. Mm. He wanted to see a church as body of Christ with different parts active. He loved everyone, had sympathy for everyone, and did not want to hurt anyone. However, in this situation, he only suffered and his heart bled so many times. Mm. He was humble, but others were proud of their authority. He tried to understand everyone, but he was sometimes misunderstood. Others wanted to win victory, and he suffered pain to the point of his heart giving out in his death. Mm. Humble pastor, saintly lifestyle, and the suffering servant of God. Only a man of faith, hope, and charity could bear all that. Mm-hmm. His role in the War of Liberation during the Liberation War of Independence of the country as Archbishop, he gave excellent shepherding leadership with love of the nation to be born, with courage to take a stance in the liberation, to stand at the side of the poor victims of war and other atrocities. Strong and courageous faith, love for the suffering people, and his hope in God's providence marked leadership at that crucial moment. Archbishop Ganguly stood for rights of the people of Bangladesh, defended the position of the Archbishop Lawrence Grainer, CSC, after 1964, when then was told by the government to leave the country. Hmm. He spoke openly on the four principles of the envisioned new nation, democracy, nationalism, socialism, and secularism. One of the Christian military authority, Pakistan, told the Archbishop that he was enlisted as one of the intellectuals of the country who were under plan to be killed by the Pakistan army. Mm. Many intellectuals, about 129, were killed. But providentially, Archbishop Ganguly was saved. Mm. When he met the father of the nation, Sheikh Mujibur Rahman, after his return from exile to independent Bangladesh in 1972, Archbishop Ganguly gave his golden pectoral cross as a donation for the reconstruction of the devastated country. Mm. It was a deep symbol to express that the church is with the people of the country. To give his cross as an expression of love is a great gesture of patriotism. His virtues and qualities. Archbishop Ganguly was courageous. He used to travel in ordinary transport to be with the people and who were suffering during the war. He sometimes took the risk of his life and was not afraid at all. He had patience when things were not moving, with faith in God, humbly bearing the sufferings and burden of the others. As bishop, as archbishop, he was simple. He used to go around with simple white cassock 
and a pectoral cross. He himself used to drive his own car, and several times he rode on bicycle. Hmm. Sometimes, being conscious of his responsibility, he wrote challenging letters to some of the priests when he felt needed. But later, hmm. he withdrew the letter because of his softness of heart. One of the most important virtues was to suffer in silence, to bear the cross for the sake of charity towards God and the people. Mm -hmm. His humility, his personality character, he was always consoling to others. He suffered for Christ's sake. His spiritual exercises were always to seek the kingdom of God. He did not fight back, but returned goodness and return to misconducts. Holy Cross Superior Father Zimmerman CSC, formerly at the funeral mass, gave testimony of his life, of the gospel of beatitudes that he lived. While he was still living, he was considered a living saint because of his holiness, simplicity, spirituality, and a gentle behavior towards all. At the time of his funeral, I felt that his body would never be decayed and we would find his body uncorrupted. Mm. And with that thought in my mind, we buried him. Later on, the priests who were some, sometimes opposing him publicly acknowledged their misbehavior towards him and felt sorry. Mm. Some even said, that they caused his early death because of the sufferings caused to him. Mm. His holiness, sanctity of life, is a gift of God. I believe holiness is given to him not for his own sake alone, but for the benefit of the whole church, and particularly the church in Bangladesh. This holy person has been given to the church so that she becomes holy by following his example. We are to follow and imitate him. It is good and urgent for the church that this beatification process comes to completion fast. His sainthood is like a treasure still hidden, which needs to be uncovered, exposed, and lifted up high for the good of the church. Mm -hmm. And of course, the church has a process to investigate the lives of holy people, like Archbishop Ganguly, what was your role in his cause for sainthood, and what can others do to be a part of this effort? Well, the cause of canonization of Archbishop Theodorus Amul Ganguly was opened in 2006 by my mm -hmm. predecessor, Archbishop Polanus Costa. When I took the responsibility of the Archdiocese of Dhaka in 2011, I found some work had been already done, but the tribunal and different commissions were not functioning so well. Mm. In 2015, I reconstituted the tribunal and the commissions. Personally, took interest in organizing and accelerating the diocesan investigation process. In April 2017, finally, the diocesan reports of the cause was brought to conclusion, and all the documents were sent to the postulator of the cause in Rome. This has been my first role in the cause of Ganguly's Centre. Mm. Secondly, I formed a pastoral commission for the promotion of cause with the following functions. Collection of personal items used by the Archbishop for future relics, promoting devotions and prayers to the servant of God in every church within the Archdiocese, publications and media and dissemination of materials to all the other dioceses in Bangladesh, mm -hmm. gathering information about favors received because of his intercession, preserving the birthplace and the home property of his servant of God, celebration of his birth and death anniversaries with talks, sharing of testimonies, celebrating Eucharist and prayer at his grave. Finally, initiating a museum of Archbishop Ganguly for the public. Hmm. Most of these have about functions are being done regularly. Mm -hmm. After my retirement as Archbishop, my role is almost nil except my personal prayers through his intercession 
I must add here that I have also a case of favors when I prayed the intercession of Archbishop Ganguly mm. and also sharing my writings and reflections. Since a saint is a saint for the universal church, we need the assistance of the prayers, assistance of prayers and promotion of cause involving more people. Some of the things that can be done for the cause are first to make Archbishop Ganguly known worldwide, especially to those who have been linked to him in one way or the other. Secondly, to continue the initiative taken today, thank you, Dan, mm -hmm. today by the Notre Dame Alumni Association Outreach. Promotion of devotions and prayers, asking favors through his intercession. Fourthly, sharing the testimonies of favors received. Fifthly, financial assistance to the Holy Cross General Aid. It is always an expensive thing. Mm. Who is following the cause and who will need financial assistance to universalize His Holiness and send to spreading among many to pray for a miracle which can be medically proved because or to be a saint, this is a sine qua non. Right, of course. Well, I have to say it's a perfect fit for the Alumni Association to be involved because Archbishop Ganguly could possibly be the first graduate of the University of Notre Dame here in Indiana to be canonized a saint. Do you know of any significant spiritual moments he had while he was a student here? Well, it was at Notre Dame University that Archbishop Ganguly studied BA, MA, and Doctrine in Philosophy and passed six years as an academician. Surely his intellectual career has been enriched most at the University of Notre Dame. His doctoral thesis seems to have been an excellent dialogue between the Western and the Indian thoughts. The University of Notre Dame contributed to his intellectual search and Archbishop Ganguly enriched the academic tradition of the university in a dialogical way. The most important spiritual moment that I can think of is his encounter with the Holy Cross charism, mm. spirit, environment, which was much deeper than what he received in his school days. Six years of his living and his studying in the university were beautiful and experiential moments when Archbishop Ganguly came to touch with the charism, spirit, and mission of the Congregation of Holy Cross in a very concrete way. It was in that context that he decided to join Holy Cross, a gracious conversion to offer religious life, personal living experiences in community life, spiritual exercises, missionary tasks of the members, and the stories of the great heroic missionaries made him decide to join Holy Cross novitiate, and he took the first vow before leaving for Bangladesh in 1952. I see. Yeah, I would say there's many of us who have been touched by the charism of the Congregation of Holy Cross, of which you are also a member. So I'd like to ask you, what's meaningful to you about the charism of the Congregation, and how is Archbishop Ganguly impacted by this spirituality as well? When I look back to school days, the initial call that I received was to respond to the urgent needs of the times. This is one of the uh, aspects of the charism of Holy Cross. Mm -hmm. The Holy Cross parish priest, Father Philip Paya, used to take me along, carrying a lit candle in my hand, to accompany him for the distribution of Holy Communion to the sick in the village. Once after Mass, a father took me by a rowing boat to a village about seven miles far from the parish center to distribute Holy Communion to a sick person. Mm. On our journey, return journey, Father Paya told me, see how urgent is the need of more priests. Mm. And that touched me. Mm -hmm. He used to send me to the poor, to repair the broken houses belonging 
to the older people and widows, to direct me to see the needs of others. Even in 1961, when I was fallen in a flood in a deluge and you know, by the tidal waves. He gave me 4,000 rupees at that time to distribute to the poor of that area. Mm. So this is part of the charism of Father Basil Moro that I learned in my novitiate. That is to respond to the urgent needs with the apostolic zeal. Mm. This has been always active in my life till today. Secondly, charism of communion as envisioned by our founder, Blessed Moro, attracted me. Right from the school days, I have been formed by the brothers, sisters, and priests of Holy Cross. The Holy Cross community is patterned around the Holy Family, a family of priests, brothers, and sisters. This aspect of charism always motivated me to live, to promote, also to minister as priest and bishop throughout my past ministry. And also, I found this spirit of communion, our founder, Basil Moro, reflected very much in the Second Vatican Council. Sure. So all my ministry, everything has been inspired by the Second Vatican Council. And at the same time, I see correlation with the charism of the community. Mm. Thirdly, in the work of the mission, the call that always remained as motivating force is the team spirit to build together and not alone. A Holy Cross spirit and attitude indeed. I and others can quite clearly see visible in my life. Fourthly, a spirituality of God's providence. Faith in God's providence. It is not mine, but God's work. So much our blessed founder, Father Moro, lived this aspect of the charism. In some very hard ways, I had to learn and acquire this spirit. There was a lot of giving up, surrendering, and self-abnegation to do. But now I see the fruit. Mm. Looking at the life of Archbishop Ganguly and his ministry as priest and bishop, all these aspects of the Holy Cross charism have surely impacted him. Archbishop Ganguly right after his ordination to the priesthood, felt always an inner urge to go to help the poor who are in need, going to the people living far away, going to those who live in the periphery, to go on foot, bicycle, or to take any means of transports like rickshaws, trains, pulling carts, etc. Once he was going by train and there was no way to enter into the train because of the crowd, and the train was moving away, he immediately jumped and stood on the joints in between the two wagons of the train, traveling with his own habit cassock. Archbishop Ganguly was a person who mixed with everyone, laity, religious brothers, sisters, priests. Inspired by the Second Vatican Council, Archbishop wanted to build communion among the laity, religious and priests in the diocese. For the first time in 1982, he started in his own diocese, Adan Pradhan, this exchange program, a gathering of priests, religious, and laity for mutual exchange in order to build communion among themselves. His leadership in the church as president of the conference was also guided by the same spirit. His spiritual life manifests strong faith, hope, and charity. And his example was of a humble, God-fearing, and God-surrendering person. He never considered himself as author of what he did in the church, in the nation building, in taking care of the people poor to alleviate the war-caused miseries. Faith and hope in God's providence marked his life and mission. I see. Well, thank you for sharing those inspiring words. Returning to your life for a few minutes, you are now a cardinal of the Catholic Church. What was it like to hear that news for the first time, and what have been some of the most memorable moments of this experience? The news of the appointment as cardinal was announced by Pope Francis on 9th October 2016 at the time of Angelus in Rome. Without 
prior information to anyone, hmm. not me, not even Anuncio. Wow. At that hour, it was 4 p.m. in Bangladesh when I started the Mass of the Feast of the Holy Rosary Church, attended by about 3,000 people. The congregation already knew that I was made cardinal, but I did not know. <laughs> because from Rome, the group of pilgrims had called up everybody in Bangladesh to announce the news. Mm. So in the congregation, they knew I did not know anything in one and a half hour. After the Mass at 5.30 p.m., while going to sacristy, a little girl, girl of nine years wished me, Congratulations. I said, for what? <laughs> oh, you do not know? You are made a cardinal? Wow. On the mouth of a little babe came the announcement to me. The start of the second mass at 6 p.m. when there were more than 5,000 people attending the feast mass while incensing the statue of Our Lady of the Holy Rosary in the beginning of the mass, I did not have any thoughts other than what Blessed Mother had at the time of her Annunciation. Mm. I was bewildered, dumbfounded by any lack of by any emotion. Mm. What does the appointment mean, like us? Why me and why? I came back to the Archbishop's house at midnight. I read the news in the internet written by an American journalist attached to Vatican News and America magazine, and also a friend of mine, Gerard O'Connell. Mm. After reading and reflecting over this, a thought came to my mind. The appointment as cardinal is not anything that I achieved, mm. but it was a love of God for the poor people in Bangladesh. Love of Pope Francis extended to the periphery of the world, mm. a recognition by him, a minority church, and a new blessing for the church and the nation. Mm. What surprised me most is that the appointment of a cardinal from Bangladesh, as remarked by both the president and the prime minister of Bangladesh, is it is an honor for the nation. Mm. It took more than a year to conclude myself that I have been appointed cardinal. On the one hand, to represent a nation in the periphery, represent at the universal level, a small but at the same time very powerful and vibrant Christian community of Bangladesh, and to speak on the richness of the poverty of the people of Bangladesh. And in other hand, to bring the teaching of the church to the people of the nation and to the church and Bangladesh. People within and outside of the church spoke highly of the honor of being a voter or being voted as candidate for the election of a new pope. Sure. But this never enticed me particularly because I strongly felt all along that Pope Francis should not resign and live long to continue because of the moment of synodality process that the church is going through. Mm -hmm. At this juncture, he is needed most. Now I am relieved that I will not probably have to vote for people election since my right to vote will end on the 1st October this year. I see, I see. <laughs> well, it must have been quite surreal to represent the hopes of so many in being a cardinal of Bangladesh. And yet, part of the position of the podcast is that no matter what our vocation is, there is a commonality in our call to holiness and sharing the gospel throughout our lives. We talked a lot about Archbishop Ganguly, and he certainly preached the good news throughout his life. What aspects of his message do you think are still particularly relevant for the world to hear today? Yes, Archbishop Ganguly was primarily a pastor of the church. Besides his priestly and governing function, he had to carry out the teaching function of the church, and preaching good news was part of that function. One of the top priorities of his teaching was to know the signs of the times, to know the culture of the people, reflect on them in the light of the teachings of the Second Vatican Council, 
and provide pastoral directions accordingly. This is very relevant because I feel, together with Pope Francis, that the truth and the beauty of the Second Vatican Council has not been fully discovered yet. Hmm. And appropriate actions for implementations have not been taken. One has to be very much imbued with the values of the gospel and poor Francis is, and not simply listening and doing what the people would like to hear. Inculturation of the gospel must have a priority in the present-day culture of the people. Secondly, Archbishop Gangli's life has been a clear prophetic stance against the clericalism of the church. Hmm. His lifestyle, his priority to be close to the people, to all people, particularly to those who are far away, deprived, severed away because of some problems, being open to other faiths and Christian denominations are very relevant now. Mm -hmm. Relevancy of his preaching is a question of being relevant to the poor people. Declericalization of bishops, priests, religious men and women, and even many lay faithful is the most relevant teaching of the day. Archbishop Ganguly can serve as a model. Thirdly, we see in Archbishop Ganguly the message of what we call synodality, the most important fruits of the Second Vatican Council, an emphasis on church as communion, participation, and mission of each and every individual disciple of Christ. At the base of synodality lies the most fundamental, that is, listening to what the Holy Spirit says to his disciples as individuals, as well as community. Archbishop Ganguly discerned the will of God through prayer, meditation, and in the Eucharistic celebration. Courtly, Archbishop Ganguly's life has been a message. He preached much more by what he was than by what he said and did. Mm. Archbishop Ganguly is being honored as a living saint, not primarily because of his activities, but because of his heroic virtues of faith, hope, and love because of his testimony of moral virtues of justice, prudence, fortitude, and temperance, because of the way he lived the beatitudes of the gospel, because of the fruits of the Holy Spirit that he testified in his life, humility, simplicity, faithfulness, enduring joy, charity, and so on. His life was a message which we preach and the church needs to preach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for offering that for our reflection. In addition to Archbishop Ganguly, who have been your models of holiness who have guided you in your life and vocation? Yeah, I had many models in different stages of life. In my primary school level, a diocesan priest, Burton Rodericks, the parish priest of my home parish, whom I came to know closely because of my mother's instruction every Every time there is a new product in the garden, uh, go and give to the priest, mm. who thrice a week was cleaning the wounds that my, I had in my leg with dental and medicine for many months. He alone, a priest, and I was only 13 years old. Mm. In my high school days, a Holy Cross priest for the Philippine CSC, a Canadian priest, who found me in my vocation, journeyed with me, and gave a spiritual direction before I joined the Holy Cross novitiate. Holy Cross brothers who taught me, directed me, setting examples before me, are among the most important formators. Holy Cross sisters who went out of the way to take care of my uh, of me in their convent. First time they allowed somebody in the convent. <laughs> when my health was at critical stage, suffering from the strong diarrhea, and that was immediate after the tidal waves in the south, where I went for catechism, and I was caught by the cyclone, the tidal waves. So because of that, I had a strong diarrhea. So they, sisters, saved my life. 
so that within two weeks, I could go to join the novitiate in 1961. Mm. After my priestly ordination, ministered by Bishop Joachim Rosario, CSC, Bishop of Chittagong, and an alumni of Notre Dame University, mm. Bishop Joachim was my model during my priestly ministry of 18 years and my Episcopal ministry, ministry of 22 years in the Diocese of Russia and Chittagong. I looked at Bishop Joachim as a person with simple lifestyle, close to ordinary people, open to everyone irrespective of religions, cultures, and social strategies. A prophetic voice of justice, leadership, inculturation of the local church, an active promoter of interreligious dialogue and Christian unity among the different denominations, love for the poor, and promoter of integrated human development. He was very much inspired by the Asian theology under the Federation of the Asian Bishops Conference. I worked with him many years as collaborators, but at the same time, his close follower. I did not know Archbishop Ganguly deeply enough before I was made the Archbishop of Dhaka in 2011. After taking the responsibility, my personal decision, which I shared sometime, was that I would like to be a pastor like Archbishop Ganguly. Mm-hmm. The more I came to know him and got involved in the cause of his beatification, the more I was consciously and internally inspired by his spirit and examples. Thankful to God that I could end my last 10 years of my Episcopal ministry being in Dakar's diocese, where Archbishop Ganguly was my predecessor and the first bishop and first archbishop of the diocese. I tried to follow him and his message. I'm sure that you honored him very well. Well, as we conclude our conversation, we do like to ask every guest about their journey towards holiness, since these answers help, I think, to edify one another as we journey through our lives of faith. So therefore, what has been effective for you as you seek holiness in your years as a vowed religious, priest, bishop, and cardinal? It is always hard to speak about myself. (laughs) (laughs) Without much illustration, I just mentioned the following points, which have impacted uh, in seeking holiness in my vowed religious, priest, bishop, and cardinal. First of all, I have experienced innumerable times that vocation is a gift of God. It reveals itself not once in a moment, but gradually in the context of new responsibilities. And God has given me as a religious priest, bishop, and three dioceses, and finally as cardinal. It is one and the same vocation given by God and guided by his providence. That was very, very much in my heart always. Mm-hmm. Second, I was a strong man of planning, an organized person, <laughs> active, but not super active, and so on. However, I have learned in a very hard way, suffering from a spinal problem, being immobilized three times, mm-hmm. each time two to four months, I would say that I learned in a miraculous way that it is not my plan, it is God's plan. Not my work, it is God's work. Not what I want, but what God wants. Mm -hmm. That was the revelation during my sickness. Mm -hmm. I'm pleased with the kind of formation I have received. Initial formation I had already mentioned, but I I would like to mention the academic formation that I received at Notre Dame College from the Holy Cross Fathers in the major seminary in Karachi from the Dutch Franciscans immediately after the Vatican II was over. Pontifical University of Leuven and ongoing formation in the Asian theology developed within the Federation of the Asian Bishops Conference. So I'm very grateful that for that formation. Mm-hmm. In the last 
51 year of my ministry, what I see now looking back is nothing but priestly ministry of sanctification. That's what church teaches, a prophetic ministry of teaching and a royal ministry of governance for the kingdom of God. According to the magisterium of the church given by the Second Vatican Council and the post-Vatican two teachings, pastoral and spirituality. I tried to see my about life as religious, priest, bishop, cardinal in the perspective of the vision of the church given by Vatican II. Question always remains, who am I as priest, bishop, and cardinal? In what kind of church? What is the concept, understanding of the church? Mm -hmm. And that will define my ministry. So I saw in the Second Vatican Council the church's communion with God and with others, clergy, religious, and laity, with other people of God and church denomination. Church as mystery, mystery of body of Christ, union of the divine and human. I discovered in myself the hypostatic union of divine and human mm -hmm. with all the limitations as human and with all the richness of the divine. A sacramental character of the church. Whatever we do, it must signify something divine. Human signifying the divine. Mystery of incarnation, that is the fundamental incarnation of the Word of God. Mm -hmm. Church has mission, mission, mission of evangelization, gospel. I like Pope Francis because man of gospel. Mm -hmm. He tries to bring the gospel in this modern time. And that is bringing the gospel to the life reality. Mission of every baptized person who is a missionary, every baptized person. That has fundamentally you know, converted the church after Vatican II and participation of all in the mission of the church and so on. Finally, understanding holiness as wholeness, integrated holiness. The main core of holiness is that they may be one mm. as Jesus spread. So nothing but to build communion, therefore, my motto has been contemplating communion. Holiness is understood as perfection of charity. Well, I appreciate you mentioning the Second Vatican Council so much. Certainly, the Council and specifically Lumen Gentium's explicit universal call to holiness is actually the inspiration for this podcast. So it's a great connection for, for me here. Cardinal De Rosario, thank you so much for your time and for the care you've shown us by being on the podcast today and for sharing so much of the life of Servant of God, Archbishop Ganguly. To close, would you please offer a prayer for Archbishop Ganguly's intercession and also give us your blessing, please? Before I say the prayer, as an introduction, I said this prayer of intercession that is being officially said. I'm going to recite that. This prayer is said in every parish, every day after the Mass, or other occasions of prayers and devotions in the diocese, Archdiocese of Dhaka, and in many religious houses in the Archdiocese of Dhaka, and also in a special occasion in other diocese on the birth of death birth or death anniversary of Archbishop Ganguly. Let us pray. We thank you, Lord, because you have given your servant Archbishop Theotonius Homo Ganguly as a gift to the church and to the people of Bangladesh. By his works of charity and apostolic generosity, you have led your people at the time of sorrows and sufferings, deprivations and wartime, and made him a day star for those who are under the shadow of death and darkness. Remembering his love and devotion to you and to his mercy to others, we pray through his intercession that we may receive, yet we remember the intention or the favors that we would like to receive. May receive the favors we ask for. Lord, for the glory of your holy name, 
and for the good of the church, make your servant blessed. Increase our love for him and let his life inspire us to follow his examples. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dan, taking all these troubles. Thank you for the patience. Thank you for listening a couple of times or <laughs> reading and listening. I appreciate all the troubles that you have put on to get me to this. <laughs> yeah, well, it was, as I said, a, a real blessing and honor for me as we talk here remotely across across the globe and over the international dateline, you know, through the wonders of technology, but still still about the fundamental things of our faith and and the holy people who inspire us. So thank you again for all the time you've taken with me in, in preparing this this podcast episode, Cardinal. Well, that concludes this very special episode of Everyday Holiness, a Faith Indie podcast. As always, we invite you to subscribe to the podcast at a service of your choosing, to like it and rate it, especially if you enjoyed this story, and to share it with others who might find it inspiring. We also invite you to subscribe to our Faith Indie Daily Gospel Reflection at faith.nd.edu slash sign up. There you'll be receive a reflection every day as well as notification of future episodes of the podcast. Thank you for your time and listening with us today, and until next time, you'll be in our prayers. God bless. Mm-hmm.